Okay, welcome back, everybody, to Two Men and the Cloud. Uh, today, Bob Agno, Elliot Baird, have a guest. Our guest is Steve Fleischer. And, uh, you know, Bob, I know today, Steve and I and you, we're all going to be bantering about FinOps, which is a, a very big overarching conversation, but um, one that I know is near and dear to your heart. Um, and I thought maybe you, you could just sort of frame it for us a bit. Sure. So I, I really believe, and this is my theory, that cloud management is really what we're going to see the next phase of um, IT. And being able to manage your assets in a multi-cloud or even in a single public cloud environment is going to be so key moving forward that um, understanding how to manage it, how to purchase it, how to deploy it is going to be the most important thing moving forward. Uh, I think we all understand moving the cloud is a great opportunity for many organizations. And like we've spoken about in, in past um, in past podcasts is there's going to be hybrid environments, there's going to be 100% cloud environments or somewhere in between. And to be able to manage that process from purchase to consumption to invoicing to everything is going to be so important for companies to understand moving forward. And it's a little bit of a green field right now. And something like FinOps, where it tries to put a process around it, is going to be really important. So I'm, I'm really excited about today's conversation because I think uh, we're hopefully bring some insight into this uh, kind of new theory of cloud management and FinOps as a whole. And to be honest with you, probably eight weeks ago, uh, I didn't even, hadn't even heard of FinOps and digging into it and seeing some of the different areas and the movement and the philosophy around it is pretty interesting. So I'm really ac actually looking forward to this conversation with Steve to talk more about it and, and uh, you know, getting a little bit deeper into the subject. And perfect segue. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've I've mentioned I was we were talking a bit before we started to hit, you know, I guess record. But um, one of the most fascinating parts of this whole podcast experience for me is hearing how somebody gets into their particular area of expertise. And, um, you know, I'm sure, I, you know, I just would love to hear where your where your background lies and how you're coming to the cloud conversation and you know, I guess in particular, you know, the FinOps conversation, but just, you know, kind of take us back in the time machine. Tell us tell us where you're coming from and all this. Sure. Um, so I, I came from more of a classical engineering background to begin with. I started off in aerospace. I worked for McNeil-Schwindler um, briefly as an intern, and then I was um, on the space robotics program for about three years at McDonnell Douglas Space Systems Company, and I was uh, R&D projects, and, and that's how I met my thesis advisor, and then I got my master's in um, uh, control systems, automatic control systems and robotics at RPI. And then it was a couple of years in New York. And then I worked for Teradyne in Boston for a while. And I was primarily data there, looking at production data on operating uh, floors. Um, and I had a lot of good customers, Philips, IBM, what have you, AT&T. Um, and then, I mean, so I worked for some great companies. And then I wound up uh, going back to San Diego. And then I wound up getting into IT, like many other people I know. Um, around the time of the last major recession in 1994, not the 2001, and uh, actually no, 2008. And uh, 
so anyways, 12, 15 years in IT, and um, I was doing site reliability engineering and, and naturally I tended to flow towards data. Anyway, so about three years ago, I joined uh, PCM and then, and then we were acquired by Insight. And, and my primary focus for the last few years has been as an AWS Cloud Solutions Architect. And then um, uh, again, I got my MBA like two companies ago because my company was an online university. And the things that we could do is, is they would pay for our tuition. And so I, I got my MBA while I was there. So it sort of naturally segued into uh, cost optimization and, and financial operations and, and cloud. Perfect. And I guess a couple thoughts there. So you just did it, but FinOps equals financial operations. And I guess there's a box here that I want to make sure we're we're drawing and hoping you can help with it. So when we talk about FinOps, is it all about cost optimization? Is that the box that we're talking about? No, I mean, well, I mean, cost, um, I would say no, not entirely. Part of it is uh, the ability to make uh, decisions and, and quality of uh, your processes. It's really a, a cultural, um, uh, it's a cultural approach where it needs to be integrated into your processes and your controls. Uh, and I think really it comes back down to management having confidence that they're getting good value from their investment in cloud and that they're, uh, what they have in cloud is, is well-built, you know, accords with best practices, uh, meets, meets reasonable expectations. So it's not just cost, but cost definitely is tied to everything throughout that, that process, I think. Okay, that makes sense. So how would you, I mean, if you had to, you know, kind of, well, I'm asking you right now, how mm-hmm. would you describe, how would you describe FinOps? I mean, what's the, you know, high altitude description of what we're talking about? Um, I mean, so we look at it in three pieces. Um, you know, the, the maturity model, which is to inform the end users. Um, that's things like understanding their cost, understanding metrics and benchmarks related to, to cost and performance. Um, and then you look at um, once you have you know the data and once you've got the um, you're, you're looking at optimization of your your spend within cloud, and then you're looking at operational processes. So it it really is kind of a continuous you know snake eating its own tail type thing. And the other thing is you know frequently we have conversations where people say, well you know at the beginning when we acquire the onboard we, you know customer we do this, and then um, the reality is, is that I've got customers that have 234 accounts. Some of them are less than a month old and some of them that are three years old. And there's this ongoing continuous process within all of them of um, informing them as to where they are within their, their environment and then optimizing that and then you know, continuing to provide them some uh, feedback for operational excellence. Makes so, sense. Yeah, so go Steve, ahead. yeah that, that, that brings me to a thought because mm-hmm. In traditional IT, where we think about a data center, right? Um, you know, traditionally people would throw hardware at a problem and just let it run, right? Because mm-hmm. you know you had sunk costs into that. Yeah. Um, of course, you had data center costs that were variable, but you know, pretty much predictable. Mm-hmm. So, um, is it really? Do we need a new way of thinking about this? Since there's a lot of variable costs and what you were talking about now, um, and it is a it's a big change for the way people think about um, yes. IT, right, and spending. Yeah, I mean, um, so I agree with absolutely what you're saying. I think when you're on-prem, you've already invested in your ESX hosts. You've already invested in your licensing. Your your networking costs tend to be fairly fixed. Um, you have a pretty good idea of what your costs are going to be within you know the the life cycle of your your hardware. And then you know you have a hardware refresh, and then you've got you know license renewed. Cloud is a spend as you go model. 
So you're not paying for capacity that you're not using. You don't have to, to buy 300 terabytes worth of storage if you only need 150, because you know sometime in the next five years, you're going to exhaust your, your, you know, your capacity. And you can't do that in a product environment. But on the other hand, what happens is I, I, I go into customer environments and because it's software defined data center, um, I'll have a customer that spins up 220 uh, EBS volumes in the space of two days, or we'll go in there and, and they'll be provisioning um, IOPS drives and suddenly their costs in a, an $8,000 account goes up $30,000. So, um, and it's also uh, that your, your costs tend to be much more uh, hidden in cloud. It, it requires a little bit more, your cost for identifying what is actually driving your cost, your total cost for information uh, are higher in cloud. And so you need to have additional process, additional tools to be able to lower that cost of ownership, the, the TCO. So for example, I was, I was just talking to some customers the other day. They had, um, I think it was 221 unused EBS volumes amounting to about $4,200 a month worth of wasted hey, hey, Steve, spend. I'll be yeah. the, I end up becoming like the nomenclature police. I'm so sorry. When you, when you uh, say EBS. <laughs> Uh, elastic um, block storage. So um, basically, they they spun up 221 disk drives in cloud, and um, and then they they maybe they were never attached to a resource or, or what have you. But um, bottom line is is one of these you know at the end of every month they're going to get charged for how much storage they provisioned. And thank you, by the way. And so uh, no, I mean honestly, it's 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 become the theme with these discussions yeah. because we are all so used yeah. to our own vernacular i mean it's my wife always makes fun of me because she hears me on the phone <laughs> and i'll be throwing you know acronyms around all day yeah. and it's like she says it's like you're i'm listening to a foreign language and i'm yeah. you know i get it i appreciate that so yeah, yeah I no you're you're in... so i feel your pain um but yeah <laughs> but um yeah no i mean so they, they spun up 221 drives and, and they were wasting essentially fifty thousand dollars a year 4200 a month but out of those 200 drives you know uh half of them or half of that cost two thousand dollars was just six of those drives so i mean they had to go out and have a conversation with some subject matter expert or some business owner and say hey do we really need this and for some of those drives they would save 60 cents if they had that conversation and for six of those 220 drives they would save two thousand dollars one of them was twelve hundred dollars that thing had been on for three years and they'd spent forty three thousand dollars on a drive that they never got any value on so how do you get that information when you're when your costs are spread over a dozen of accounts and and you know regions and, and what have you and, and part of that is um, what we try to bring to our customers which is giving them access to their data and then putting a value on on decisions that they may make or or actions they may take um, so that you know with limited resources engineering resources they can go out and they can um, you know keep that keep that spend dialed in and that's an ongoing and continuing process, like you were saying, Bob. It's not just, I mean, with with cloud, it's, it has to be a, a discipline. And that's why we meet with our customers on a, on a monthly basis and we give them some tools and we're trying to teach them, uh, you know, processes that they can in, you know, integrate into, uh, into their business. And, uh, you know, that's all the way down to giving, you know, line of business owners access to dashboards so they can check them every week to make sure that they're they're not spiraling out of control. It's it's meeting with the engineering managers to say, here, we see these opportunities with the engineering environment. It's meeting with developers to say, here, you know, if, if you uh, replatform or refactor this application, here's what we think your cost savings could be. It's, it's a whole series of things all the way to and finance teams to do chargeback models so that the accounting team can get everything in, a, in a, uh, a bill that shows just PO numbers. And you can map that always all the way back and all the way forward to what services are being consumed in cloud. 
which can change, you know, uh, right. dynamically. Um, and in particularly in large organizations, you know, we, we have one customer that has 234 accounts. We were just talking to another customer and say, well, how do we compare to, co you know, companies of similar size? And I said, well, when you're looking at hundreds of accounts, it's it's not really that you're looking at hundreds of accounts all at once. It, it typically is more that you've got line of business owners and they have maybe five accounts. Um, you know, one's QA, one's dev, one's production, one's staging. It's it's, you know, and each within those, there's there's patterns that we can observe and and trends that we can help them to see. But ultimately, what we're doing is is giving them access to their data, and helping them to um, do their planning and their strategy. Uh, we're partnering with them. Sorry if I kind of went down a rabbit hole. I, no, no, that, but, that's great. That's good. It's a good rabbit hole. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, you know, I, the other thing that I've kind of come to understand as it relates to this conversation is that there are absolutely different moments in time where you get brought into a FinOps conversation. And I know that there were the three phases mm -hmm. that, you know, I think are typically articulated when it comes to FinOps. But, you know, like one case in point, you know, I know, um, Bob, you and your team often get brought in when a, a company is thinking about moving from an on-premise environment into a cloud environment. And that's a catalyst right. as it relates to, you know, what are the right economics within the cloud or what are my economics going to look like in an optimal state once I'm in the cloud? And that's that I, I would imagine that falls in that beginning phase. The of FinOps. Yep. Yeah, yep. right. Informed. Doesn't it? Yep. OK, it does. Yep. So what I mean, you know, I guess if we're going to talk through maybe maybe it makes sense to talk through each phase, you know, like as we look at each phase, what does that mean? And what it what is it that typically what's the big impact in each of these areas? Is that a decent place to wrap our heads around? Sure. Why don't I just talk a little bit about the high level phases and then we'll let Steve bring his expertise to him, right? Yeah, no, that's great. And, yep. and the other thing I want to throw out there is that when we talk about these three phases too, it may help to sort of frame FinOps in the sense that I know that, you know, you've done, you know, you, you've done a great job in terms of helping educate me in terms of what is FinOps as an entity and how does that translate into our ecosystem and us and all that jazz. Yeah. So really FinOps is a philosophy, right? It's, it's an organization um, that has uh, that has put a foundation together that really is trying to, um, you know, handle cloud financial management in a full life cycle, right? So there's three stages, right? It has the informed stage, which is all about visibility and allocation. There's an operate, which is, talks about continuous improvement uh, in operations. And there's the optimize phase, which is all about utilization. And, you know, to what Steve was talking about, the snake eating his tail, it's a full circle type of scenario. And one of the things that's interesting to this is the cloud brings a lot of opportunity, but if you don't do it right, it brings a lot of risk. And that must keep CFOs up at night uh, for large organizations with, with big spends because, um, you know, the, the $42,000 example, that was just talked about. If you look at a large organization, that could be in the millions if not done correctly. So really understanding these three phases and where things fit uh, makes it a really a decision matrix on moving to the cloud and really understanding the cost once you get there because it is a new model. And for a lot of people in IT, it's a new process and a way of thinking. And you have to think about it a little bit outside of the box, which is kind of what this foundation is about and trying to understand. 
And, you know, to your point about inform what what my team does is uh, what we call cloud economics. And part of that is really helping clients to understand what they have on prem and then what the cost would be running in the cloud. And what's interesting is uh, a lot of people are very aware of what they have running, but they don't know how much compute power that they're they're using in the data center. And it's interesting as we go through this, I found the most important thing that we do is size um, their workloads that are in the data center currently for the cloud. And many um, are surprised how little compute power that they're using in the data center currently. So that is an example of two opportunities. One, um, to move that workload to the cloud and see what your costs are in there. But also if you're going to continue in a hybrid or a data center and a cloud environment, you're able to look at um, you know, reducing your cost in your data center as well and doing some server consolidation. So that's a, another kind of benefit for clients once they get more data, like Steve was talking about, that they can make better decisions, not only in the cloud, but also in their data center. So um, you know, going through these phases is, is really interesting to me um, you know, because inform is not not only what we do, but it's also the, that financial stuff. So would love to hear, um, you know, your high level, Steve, on what you think of these phases and some of the most important tasks in them. Sure. I mean, so <clears throat> I, I agree with everything you were saying um, that uh, costs do keep the CEOs up. I think that, you know, one of the, one of the major things is how should we use cloud? We get that question a lot from customers. Um, right. I used to work for a company that uh, had to build out a DR site because I actually got hired because of the witch fires in, in San Diego. And they were approaching one of our data centers that had virtually all of our hardware in it. And the company decided they were going to build out a, a DR in Denver. And to do that, they had to rack, they had to stack, they had to buy licenses. They, at the end of the day, they had a full copy of prod with all of the associated expense. In cloud, I had a customer that built out a, a performance load environment. Their cost went up from 4,000 to 40,000 one month and it went back down to 4,000 because they shut it down after they were done using it. And so you can do things in cloud that you can't do on-prem and, and things that are, are clearly required and, and important. Um, but the problem then is then you wind up spinning up resources in regions and, and it becomes more difficult to track where, you, where you've spent money and where you haven't. So for example, I had one customer that was at the beginning of COVID wanting to, to shut down um, costs. And so uh, one of the things that we do for them or for our customers, give them this single pane of glass that tells them what's running and where it's running and what it's costing. And we give them access to that data in a way that is difficult to acquire with the native management uh, console tools. And part of that is because you know, one of the ways that you segregate cost in AWS is by breaking it out into separate accounts. Um, and the other is you use tagging. And that's important for chargeback models. It's important for line of business. Sometimes it's important because of data protection. Uh, but the, the flip side of that, sort of the you know the other side of that, uh, you know that knife or the other edge, is um, that when these customers were going in and they were trying to reduce costs and they were just looking at the management console, they were looking at Northern Virginia and they were looking at Oregon. They weren't looking in in this case, uh, you know, where they they'd cut back salaries, they'd reduce salaries, um, they'd lay people off. And this one guy practically came to me in tears because they had um, they had left this one uh, cluster of servers. It had been spun up for a perfectly legitimate reason for sales, uh, running for six months at you know three clusters, a three node cluster, seven fifty per cluster, thirteen thousand five hundred dollars, just running out in Singapore or it was Tokyo, 
um, because that isn't where they were looking for costs. And, and they didn't realize it was in this one tiny little account where you know 85% of their costs were in these other accounts. And so part of what we're doing is, is giving them access to that fully loaded cost, giving them access to a single pane of glass. So they see where all their cost is across all of their environments, across all these different regions. Um, and that that is uh, you know reducing that total cost of ownership for cloud and, and making uh, giving them better data on which to make decisions. Um, the other thing is um, in, a, in that informed stage, giving them some benchmarks, giving them some type of metrics and alerts and, and notifying them when things spin out of uh, you know, control or, or when costs increase a certain amount. Also giving them feedback when they successfully are able to reduce their costs. And so I can, you know, we meet with them on a regular cadence to give them an idea of, okay, here's, here's what you know, your costs are. There's no unexpected spikes. There's no unusual trends or behavior, or if there is a change, um, to be able to explain that or, or dig into the data with them. And sometimes and, that's, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and like, I'm thinking when that regular cadence, that that's an optimized thing. Is that fair? Would you, um, would you? It is. It's kind of, okay. it kind of bridges that gap between optimize and inform because, mm -hmm. it, you know, since we don't have frequently, we don't have administrative level access into our customer environments. We inform them. We give them an idea of what opportunities there are for optimization. We give them an idea of what the value is for any any you know particular branch of those those opportunities, so they can prioritize their you know limited resources, and then optimize frequently. That's us partnering with them to help them to to make decisions and then to give them feedback on those decisions. For for example, if they uh, move workloads from on-demand pricing to reserved instances, uh, which is a way to make a, a commitment in AWS for for a long term spread so you can reduce your, your costs for compute by say 40 percent on the compute component um, we then go back a week later and we look to see whether or not the purchase that they made is actually being used and we give them feedback we tell them you know 98 percent of the the investment that you just made is actually getting the return that you want and you shifted these workloads and here was your run rate and here it is i mean in that constant flow of information back is that closed loop control that gives them mm -hmm. the ability to, to you know, predict costs and then hit their targets or course correct. Otherwise it's that open loop control system and you just hope you don't hit the mountain. Yeah. Can we, okay, so going back to the beginning to inform, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that I've learned along the way is that, you know, anything in, it seems to me, anything that's in business or technology, it ultimately boils down to that formula of people, process and tools or technology. Mm -hmm. um, and when I think about that informed stage, clearly, you know, having the right people, having the right processes, I think best practices there. Mm -hmm. But then tools that, in, you know, what got me thinking this is you mentioned single pane of glass, right? It's what are the tools that you have seen that seem to just help in, help, you know, getting our customers that kind of insight or information or that you know the current status you know the current state maybe you know the ongoing state the data that we keep talking about for them to iterate against what's what's your that's, kind of two cents on that that's a really interesting question because um it's not just having the tools like you said it's the people and the processes um so for example we've won clients who are using uh, one of the tools that we bundle in with our, our service um, is a, a third-party cloud health management tool called cloud checker and again, it, what it does is it aggregates the data from all of these different accounts. So, I mean, when I have a customer that has 234 accounts, it becomes impractical for them to manage that number of accounts. And the same applies to many customers that have, say, five accounts or three, um, where you have multiple regions. It's something my professors in, in grad school called the tyranny of small numbers, which is, you know, two, you know, two by three by five is is 30, right? 
Um, and so if I've got 234 accounts and I've got 26 regions and I've got 215 services and the information on my, my environment is spread out across all of those different places, then it's, it's not improbable that I will have an account where a developer is given access and then right before Memorial Day weekend, they spin up you know, R4.8x large servers and they leave them running for two weeks. Or uh, you know, during the middle of a migration, we've got servers who you know, suddenly are being given provisioned IOPS or what have you, or the servers get put out in, in a public uh, you know, subnet or whatever, having nobody reports on the fact that it's you know, completely exposed and it's in any, any security group. So um, what we do is we give our customers access to that tool and then we, we teach them and we uh, provide them video training on, you know, in their environment. Uh, we're available to answer questions they may have about, you know, hey, we've got a request from management. Is there a way we can respond to this question? Like how many users are in IAM groups or, you know, are users actually using the workspaces that they you know, were paying for on a monthly basis? Or, you know, are there opportunities? You know, what, what is our security and compliance standing? And I so, guess I, where, I, where I was framing mm -hmm. also in my head is that it seems to me that there are different tools, you know, like all within the inform stage, oh, or, you yeah. know, there are different tools for different functions as it relates to the FinApp story. So, you know, I think Cloud Checker and I think of that, maybe I'm wrong, right? But I think of it as a run rate tool mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe some of the tools that I think, Bob, you know, you're you're using every day, which are. I don't know, I want to call them snapshot tools, tools that help me take a snapshot of um, an ecosystem or an environment yep. in a given moment in time and then provide guidance in terms of next step outcomes. And I don't know if those yeah. two ki kind of tools overlap or not, but kind of maybe makes sense to talk through that a bit, you know, to help people understand the different tools at different times. Sure. And, and just also to emphasize what you were saying, I mean, some of the customer accounts that we've won. Uh, the customers had Cloud Checker. They had the same tool set that we're offering. The thing is, is that it's that yet another tool or a YAT syndrome that so many IT you know shops worry about, which is just giving them a tool isn't isn't enough. It needs to be internalized. It needs to be um, part of their processes. It needs the information needs to be readily available to them, and that's partly what we offer, is that we're we're helping them you know where it makes sense to um, to make best use of that information, and, and we're partnering with them not just uh, prescriptively telling them what to do. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, so uh, CloudTracker or the tools that we look at have point in time reports. In fact, that's part of the function is, is snapback function where we look at you know, where they were two weeks ago, where they were six months ago. And sometimes that's extremely important. Um, and the other thing is the ability to look at trending and, and look at reporting over time and you know, tell the customer, you know, here's why your, your costs have grown and, and here's the specific services and the specific accounts that they've grown in. You know, I helped a customer see the other day that one of their accounts had just grown 80% and it was now 10% of their total spend and it wasn't one of their primary accounts. So again, they're very grateful for that because you're, you're giving them access to their information and, and they were already looking at the tool but just, you know, sometimes, um, I'm sorry, I, I'm definitely going down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> Bob, did you want to try this? No, I'm, again, no, I think, no, no yeah. rabbit hole is no. a bad rabbit hole. That's right. We should rename this podcast to rabbit hole because it, it, I think I it's a really a good idea. No, no, no I mean, you're, you're spot on. Um, you know, I think it's just really important you know there are a million tools out there there literally are probably a million different tools out there and um you can pick many to do um what fits your business yeah. or what you're looking for there, there isn't a, a silver bullet that i've seen out there that does exactly what you want because 
Um, you know, as as you were talking about, Steve, some of the issues, right? You think about all those accounts, and then you think about all the invoices and all the bills and all the chargebacks and everything that has to happen. It really creates a, quite a long paper trail, um, you know, to use an old term, to be able to manage these scenarios for customers. And it's getting quite cumbersome for a large organizations and even small organizations that have many different accounts to manage all this process from start to finish. So, you know, a process where people thought, you know, I'm going to get all these efficiencies going to the cloud and they may get that. It really comes with a lot of new business uh, scenarios that they weren't expecting. And to be able to start really understanding these and, you know, um, on what to expect, I think is really important for companies right now because they can um, they can get lost in, in this scenario and it can um, bring a lot of um, non-satisfaction with the cloud because there's so many new processes and ideas and approaches that they weren't expecting. So uh, it's just a, a very interesting uh, time that we're in, obviously from COVID and everything, but the way that the cloud is exploding and people now are feeling like they have to move, it's it's getting to the point where they really need to understand what to expect. It's almost like uh, we need to write one of those books, what to expect when you're expecting a, a move to the cloud. Right? <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. Every you know, And that's the other thing I'm learning with these podcasts is at least once a podcast, Bob comes up with some awesome, funny, hilarious little <laughs> snippet. You know, that was that's great. I love it. The um, you know, so just not to, you know, kind of beat a dead horse on the tools thing, because I do think it's. You know, I, I think it is one of those areas that could be quicksand for anybody stepping into this space if they don't, you know, just the more they hear, the better off they are. Like, so, for example, um, you know, there's the tools that are the snapshot tools and certainly Cloud Checker can act in that capacity. But I know, Bob, your group works with a tool called Movair, which is owned by Microsoft. And you've also used, you know, Bit, Bit Titan. No, not Bit I'm sorry, Block 64, excuse That's me. Right. Yep. Um, and then... You know, and then if, you know, from an ongoing run rate perspective, um, I know that from a Microsoft angle, there's Azure Cross Manager, which is part of, you know, that commitment to Microsoft within, you know, modern Azure. And that, you know, and then that just sort of distills into the flavors of, you know, a single pane of glass or not flavors, but the notion of a single pane of glass. So, for example, I know, Steve, um, I, I'm pretty certain and you're, 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 much more the expert than I am on this, but Cloud Checker, I think, can be a single pane of glass, whereas I think Azure Cost Manager cannot. But then there are other third-party platforms out there that can. So, I mean, there's this sprawling thing that, you know, you really, everything's moving fast. There's a lot of money being put into the cloud because there's a lot of need for the cloud, but there's also a lot of waste, and these are the tools that people need to wrangle with. So, just kind of, I had my own little rabbit hole moment there. Um, anything that you guys want to add on for that? No, and, and I would say, you know, we get asked this question of, do we do Azure, do we do GCP, do we do AWS? I mean, we really, one of the things I like about our company is we try very hard to be sort of vendor neutral, solution agnostic. So in as much as I'm talking primarily about AWS, if a customer comes to me and says, this workload makes more sense in Azure um, because of licensing or what have you, we're, we're, you know, we're happy to support them in that. And then, um, you know, frequently the issues they have with cloud have, have nothing to do with, with cloud as such. 
uh, a Cisco AOCV, they need to build out a SQL AG, they need to know whether or not their Microsoft licenses apply to workspaces. So again, one of the things I like about the company is that we're kind of the tip of the spear for, for this large professional services organization where we have a lot of people with a sort of very deep and very wide knowledge. And so when, when we talk cost management, you you know, I, I see work being done on the, the Azure cost manager tool equally as good as some of the work that we do in, in the AWS practice, because again, it's it's not just the tool, it's it's the people that are actually looking at the data and who have the expertise to, you know, the experience to say, these are the sort of things that we see across all of these different customers that we've been supporting for all of these years. And, um, you know, it, there's a lot of trends and, and a lot of experience you can you can pull from that. And, and so it's not just the tools, it's it's the people who are looking at it and, and the type of, you know, experience we have and the type of sort of intellectual property that we've developed over time um, and the, the internal people and processes, as you said, not just tools. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like because you, I, you know, it's fair. I mean, I know that I personally fall into that trap where I think single pane of glass and I go straight to oh. technology. But, you know, I think you're right. You know, I think it's way beyond the technology. It's the, you know, it's the expertise and the experience. Yeah, but and to be fair to what you were saying, though. I mean, uh, customers definitely want a single pin of glass. We're having more and more customers who are in Azure who are also in AWS or vice versa, right? And and they want to be able to, um, in fact, I just got a request the other day, can you please give this person access to our Azure cost data inside inside CloudChecker, which is sort of the exception here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, our customers want to go there, but I don't know that any of the tools are there yet. I mean, I, I right. think we're still yep. a year or two or, or so. Um, for for the major cloud providers to uh, you know any one uh, tool whether that's cloud ability or cloud health or, or cloud check or any of them I don't think any of them because their level of experience in one or the other cloud varies it's where they customers. grew up yeah, yeah whatever direction exactly. they grew up from but then to your point you know eventually there maybe there will be a platform that's a true technical you know but but yeah. that's limited in value in if you don't have the people and the experience to you know, yeah. establish the best practices. And it's not just about the technology, which I think is very fair and good. I'm glad we're talking like that. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, be, okay, so let's let's do this. So beyond that first stage, right? We get in from, so I guess it's inform and then mm -hmm. is it optimize? That's not, no, no. Wait, what's second? I think you could do other optimize or operate. <laughs> okay, optimize, okay. Well, gosh, Bob, what of the three, what's after inform? Yeah, definitely operate. Right. Okay. I, I think I think that because if you want to think about the way I think about it, right, is inform. You're really trying to make uh, a decision on moving to the cloud. Once you've made that decision in the cloud, how do you operate those workloads to yeah. make sure they're functioning um, the right way in the cloud? And then after time, right, you know, you're just getting used to it. You then want to optimize those because everything changes, right? Uh, everything changes in your business, everything changes in sales, and even price and different models change all the time in the cloud. So you want to make sure you're optimizing those workloads, not only from a functionality standpoint, but from a cost standpoint as well. So you're, uh, you're getting your best bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's classic in the on-prem environments where you've paid for your SXOs, you paid for your licenses, you've got sort of your standard template for servers that you spin up or a TCPU 8 gig or what have you. And when the people move to cloud and they do that initial lift and shift, they tend to carry all those patterns with them. 
And one of the nice things about cloud is that you can easily upgrade hardware. You can easily move from an older instance type to a newer instance type. And, and that kind of flexibility is very helpful. But it also gives you this enormous opportunity once you've been in cloud for a month or two and you see the pattern of use and you see utilization. Maybe you can save some money there. And there's all sorts of decisions like that. You know, can we re-platform this? Can we refactor this? And, and we've got a, a, you know, a really good team that we work with that can help with that type of thing. Um, and so and optimize. Oh, yeah, sorry, just sorry. Yeah, just to jump in there, right? Optimize has become really important with COVID. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is um, a lot of people saw their sales um, revenue just shut off. Yeah. And um, the, obviously their cloud uh, charges did not and continued, right? Yeah. Um, so being able to look at that and optimize that became such an, a priority for many different companies during COVID because it forced them to now take a look at, oh my goodness, um, we obviously want to keep people on staff. We, do, we want that to be the last scenario. So let's start looking at where we can save money. And a lot of times they looked to the cloud and started to do optimization. And uh, I know we were doing a lot of that out of my team. And I'm Steve, I'm sure you saw a lot of that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and one of the nice things is we've been helpful and that we've been successful in helping our customers do exactly that. Um, but also, I mean, just along the same lines, not just in, in helping the customer go from 60 to 30 or, or save a few hundred thousand dollars on our eyes or, or helping to eliminate waste. We had a customer who came to us who wanted uh, COVID. They, they shifted their business model from in-store delivery to, uh, to online delivery. And so they started making significantly more use of an AWS service called Connect. And they came to us and they said, can you give us an idea of how many direct dial numbers or toll-free numbers or what we've used in the last few months? And we were able to give them data for 12 months that showed, you know, so they could make business decisions, so they could do strategic planning. So part of what we're doing is, you know, it goes even back, you know, an optimization and a form that kind of blur together, right? Um, and in, in having that data that you set up in that first stage, now you can use it in that, that third stage, that sort of DIKW or data intelligence knowledge wisdom, you know, uh, cycle that you get. Um, and so part of what we do is, is help them get access to their data so they can make decisions, whether that's, you know, uh, minimizing their footprint in cloud or deciding to refactor an application or even just, you know, where are we spending our money or how could we be more efficient or what is our business? You know, how is it? How is that operating? Yeah. So when I when I think about, you know, and I, I think I think I know the answer to this, but when I think about mm -hmm. IaaS and SaaS and PaaS, and I don't know if SaaS really applies to this, but if I think of IaaS and PaaS as it relates to FinOps, I naturally understand the IaaS implications. Mm -hmm. the, are there FinOps implications to PaaS? Okay. I mean, I'm assuming, yeah, right? But I mean, I, how would you articulate that? What, what does that scenario kind of look like? So, I mean, uh, when customers are making decisions on uh, renewal or when they're making uh, decisions on uh, where to invest engineering resources, um, you you look at what does it cost me to operate this application in cloud and is there an alternative and if, if you can go in there and you can say by using serverless technologies by using lambda functions or um, even just moving to SaaS, you know it, do we want to do this for example we had a customer who wanted to know whether or not to continue to do uh, a log aggregation data collection service in cloud on instances or whether it made more sense for them to go to the SaaS offering by that same provider and we gave them exactly what their costs were for storage, what their costs were for compute, uh, what the cost would be if they rebuilt their environment and they used modern instances like M6Gs or you know Graviton processors instead of the old M4s. 
We gave them, you know, basically helped them to have meetings internally about which direction they wanted to uh, invest resources so that they could optimize their performance and optimize their their costs. So yeah, definitely they all play together. And I think um, depending on where you are in that process. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. And I, um, you know, so let me ask this. So in terms of, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking through one of the points I want to make about FinOps is that it's the kind of thing that if done right pays for itself, you know, in the sense that, you know, I know, I know with our experience that there's a certain amount, there's a certain level of FinOps value that we provide just as part of helping our customers acquire Azure, that, that there's a value that we bring into that sequence so that as our customers acquire Azure, they, they get access to some of the technology and some of the people to help them optimize their spend. That, and I call that a FinOps type motion. It's part of the acquisition. It's a value we provide. But I think separate from that, there are much more comprehensive engagement structures, much more value-added orientation that we provide on an engagement model, in an engagement model. Um, but in either case, you know, if you think about the amount of waste out there, the, I think the number is something like $35 billion in wasted cloud spend every year. Mm -hmm. This is this should, no matter what, pay for itself. Fair, yeah. fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing is just saying what you were saying. Um, sometimes, like we had a customer the other day that was spending twice what they expected on storage. And the reason was because they had, they'd factor S3 target for a Veeam backup, you know, incorrectly. And they were, they were paying huge amounts of egress fees. Once that got nailed down, their company now had confidence that they were getting value, you know, which classically is defined as cost over benefits, right, or benefits over cost. I don't remember which off the top of my head, uh, but I think it's cost over benefits. Anyways, so um, I have to look it up now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, the, the companies want to know that they are getting uh, good value for their investment in cloud, whether that is a decision to now, okay, now that we've got our storage and our collaboration. It's that roadmap that we talk about for FinOps. Uh, we have engagements at different points, depending on where you are in your roadmap, to help you drive value, uh, whether that's migration. Because we had one customer we worked with, you know, they had uh, a fraction of their current spend in cloud. Because once we would got in these processes in place, and we'd helped them to to build out this this discipline and supported them. Um, they felt confident in moving three data centers to cloud, knowing that as they move these things to cloud, there's that initial you know, optimization effort that Bob was talking about, which is that snapshot in time, whether that's Movir or Snapstart or what have you, to give them an idea of what their target should be and what their cost is. So they can do planning and so they can also you know, uh, optimize in that initial phase. And then there's the ongoing optimization and then you know, uh, potentially later on down that you know, migration, um, uh, replatforming, refactoring, what have you. Um, the the ability for us to help them do that gives them confidence to do more of it and and to see where they can get value whether that's moving workloads to cloud or moving cloud workloads back on-prem to a hybrid data center just whatever works best for them and and be giving them the information that they need to make those decisions is a lot of what we do and again because we're not just trying to sell cloud we're, we're trying to help them you know build out a solution that helps them do their business well and it helps mm -hmm. them see value yeah. for their investment that's return on cloud investment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I but think it's I all just, about yep. A new new acronym. Return on cloud that's a Rocky. Return <laughs> on cloud investment. There you go. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> awesome. 
So um, I guess, I mean, perfect conversation. I really appreciate it, Stephen, you joining us today and talking to us about FinOps. I mean, any as, any last parting words in terms of, you know, kind of may, maybe where you see this thing going or um, just anything that you want to add as a final note? Oh, um, just that, uh, you know, again, talking about that single pane of glass and, and you know, these, these practices coming together, I, I think a lot of what we do in the different clouds, a lot of what we do in the on-prem data center, a lot of this is translating to our, our work in cloud. And so it's, um, you know, it's, I think it's an extremely exciting space, really rewarding because we're helping our customers, you know, uh, achieve value in, in cloud. Uh, we're helping people, you know, run their businesses or, or to see value, keep people employed. I mean, there's just genuinely, it's, it's been a very rewarding place to work in. And, uh, and we've got some great people here who are helping our customers. So again. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you for inviting me. Of course. Um, Bob, any final parting notes? Yeah, no, I just, it was a great conversation today. And, you know, my, my piece of advice is you, you have to plan, right? You just can't lift and shift into the cloud and think you're going to, um, you know, save a bunch of money, right? There's a lot of planning that has to be done, rather it's on the front end before you move. Um, and then once you get there, uh, there's a lot of optimization that needs to be done and management that it needs to be done. So, um, right, you got to really plan this move and plan the work. And then you will start seeing that value and those cost benefits Steve was talking about. But if you don't do that and make a lot mistake a lot of folks have done, uh, you will waste money. And then uh, your CFO won't be sleeping at night and that's going to be a problem. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of great best practices and lessons to be learned here. Um, and uh, just just kind of follow the path and it will lead you the right way. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. So um, thank you, everybody, for joining us again today here on Two Guys in the Cloud. And we look forward to all of our many, many future discussions and hope everybody has a great one. Thank you. We'll see you next time.